0: Let's take a little time and talk now About the state that we are living in mm. Political spiritual, maybe some laughs While you are listening to Phyllis Favre yeah. favorite listeners is Pastor Jonathan Mason, and welcome back to another edition of the Pastor's Office. Listen, before we even go forward, I want to thank Brother Marcus for standing in for me last week uh, on our program. I never like to miss a show, uh, but sometimes life starts to life and I was not able to make it in for the show on last Sunday, uh, but Brother Marcus came in, did a great job. I did listen to it. Great program. But man, I'm just glad to be back with you this week. And, and God knows we need to be here talking this week. Uh, did you get an opportunity to see what's going on in Florida what's happening with their educational system down there. Ron DeSantis and his band of minions, uh, they are really working as hard as they can to turn back the clock, at least in Florida, on all the progress that has been made down through the years. Most recent assault on progress, slavery, provided some benefits for the slaves. Are are you kidding me? Are are, are you kidding me? And, 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 And here's the funny part about it, and there's nothing funny about it, but the interesting part about it is there are other red states that are looking at what DeSantis is doing and trying to figure out how to mirror what he's doing. Listen to me, Philadelphia. Hear me well, Philadelphia. Make sure that you are registered to vote. Don't just make sure you're registered to vote. Make sure that everybody that's a voting age in your house, in your family, in your friend's circle is registered to vote. But you can't stop there. You got to make sure they get up on every election day and make their way to the polls because elections matter. The outcome of elections, they matter. And because of a vote, Ron DeSantis is in Florida, like Sherman through Atlanta, just causing destruction. And if we sleep, You know he's running for president, right? I mean, you do know this. If we sleep, he could become the next president of the United States. Come on, we got to wake up. We've got to wake up and listen. Let me, let me, let me, let me help you understand something. It's education. Education is what will propel our next generation of leaders to the table of success it's education it's getting a solid education from qualified teachers that are teaching a curriculum that is fair that is balanced and equitable in every way i say this to you all the time and and you know this i've talked about uh, education is a major part of what we talk about on this program. I say this all the time. Our young people shall not and cannot be defined by their zip code. They must be defined by their character. So So what am I saying? I'm saying that a quality education in every area of this country is critical. If we are going to be a nation, a unified nation that is successful going into the future, because there are people, there are organizations, there are uh, groups with a mentality and a focus and are solely focused on turning back the clock. Equity is not their goal. Equity is not their goal. Well, listen we got a great show for you today, and it's quite ironic that my opening segment has to do with education because I'm going to introduce you to a young man that's doing something about making sure that education is fair and equitable, regardless of the zip code that our children come from. Uh, I'm going to be talking to you in our first segment today about Youth Build Philly, and we're talking to their chief executive officer. Leando Dunn, Principal Dunn, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Principal was when you were at Simon Gratz, and we'll talk about that in a second, but CEO Dunn, welcome into the pastor's office,
1: how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Reverend Mason, thank you for having me, and you know what, I'll I'll take Principal Dunn, I'll, I'll take either one, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs>
0: Well, listen, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us. I know you're in New York City today. I know the work never stops, uh, but we will appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. But, man, look, let's do this first. Let's, Let's introduce you to our Philly's favorite audience. Tell us a little bit about your background, where you come from, where you got your education, how you
1: ended up in the great city of Philadelphia. Yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, So Leander Dunn, currently serves Chief Executive Officer at YouthBuild Philly. Um, And I'll tell you, just as a young man growing up, I grew up in southeast Louisiana, um, in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans. Um, I'm able to be on this phone call today as a CEO, as a former principal, because I had educators who poured into me, who gave me opportunities, who saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And I'm on this call today when young people who grew up on the exact same block that I lived on and the exact same housing development that I lived in, many of them are not here with us today. Many of them are incarcerated. Many of them are working low-wage jobs in which there's not economic mobility opportunities. There's not the opportunity to break the the cycle of poverty. And I'm able to do that, and I'm able to be here because folks invested in me. And so at an early age, I knew I wanted to get involved in education because I believe that luck does not have a place in education. And I wanted to do everything that I could specifically for black and brown young people who look like me to make sure that they have opportunities and not just opportunities, that they're able to make choices and that luck is not involved in um, that factor. And so prior to coming to Youth Build, I served as the principal and also as an assistant principal at Simon Gratz High School in North Philadelphia. And prior to that, I served as an educator and administrator at several other schools, both in Philadelphia with Kent Philadelphia, also in uh, Seattle and Tacoma, Washington. And so really happy to be in the Philadelphia region. Attended uh, college at the University of New Orleans in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I got my master's degree from Saint Joseph's University.
0: Now, now I do want to focus in on your work over at Simon Gratz because y- you had some great success there, man. Uh, you, you you turned that school around with your you and your team. Talk to us about the turnaround that happened over at Simon Gratz.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm both really proud of the work that I did while I was there um, and also proud of the work um, that's continuing to take place at Gratz. And what I'll, what I'll say about Gratz briefly um, is that in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, Gratz, um, and specifically from a lack of investment both in the North Philadelphia community and also from a lack of investment within that school community, Um, Gratz was a school in which um, more students were outside of the school building, more students were walking the streets than you would find students in the classrooms. Um, Gratz was also a community in the Commonwealth. There's a persistently dangerous schools list. And so Gratz was um, always at the top of that list for dangerous incidents taking place inside of the school building. And when you think about Gratz's peers across the city of Philadelphia, Gratz was consistently performing um, as one of the lowest-performing open-enrollment comprehensive high schools in the city of Philadelphia. Fast forward, um, Mastery Charter Schools uh, took over Simon Gratz High School in 2012-2013, and, 12, 2013. Um, and since, um, since then, there's a lot of great things happening at Gratz. Um, we've got some, some pretty dynamic athletics teams. Um, during my time at Gratz and under my leadership, we introduced career and technical education programming. We've increased uh, student test scores significantly. Um, there was also a decline in student enrollment. We brought back significant and strong student enrollment. Um, and, and, and I don't want to underscore the work um, and the, the sacrifice of so many educators and administrators who came into a school community that had been stigmatized and also the lack of investment. Um, And they were bold, and they were courage, and their commitment to young people in the city of Philadelphia. And so I'm now proud to say um, that Gratz is no longer on that persistently dangerous list. And, in fact, I I believe we have not been on that list for the past five years. Um, And Gratz is now one of the highest-performing open-enrollment comprehensive high schools um, in the city of Philadelphia. And I think that just goes to show you, what is possible regardless of zip code, regardless of community, when you believe endlessly in the potential of young people.
0: You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM. You're in the pastor's office. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and we are talking to Leando Dunn, who is the chief executive officer of Youth Build Philly, which we're going to talk about here in depth. But listen, I do believe, and I've always said this, that past success is definitely a... An indication of what somebody will achieve in the future, and and Leandra, your work over at Simon Gratz, I think, if it's indicative of, uh, it's indicative of who you are, uh, and and the leader that you are. So now, talk to us about Youth Build Philly because it is a charter school, but it's a little different. Uh, as a matter of fact, before we even get there, there are a lot of folks that there are a lot of young people who have dropped out of the Philadelphia school system. We've got a lot of young people that are out on the streets without a diploma and youth build Philly is an organization that seeks to deal with that. Why don't you talk to us about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So uh, first thing I'll say, if anyone listening is interested in learning more about youth build, visit our website, youthbuildphilly.org or visit our social media, youth build PHL. And I'll start with Reverend Mason. Um, the phrase, the phrase dropout. And so at Youth YouthBuild, we don't refer to students as being dropouts. We refer to them as being pushed out. And so we serve young people who are ages 17 to 21 um, and young people who were previously a part of other school settings that were likely not meeting their needs and or likely did not have the options that those type of learners needed in order to be successful and in order to finish high school. So our young people have been out of school anywhere from ninth grade on up. They come to YouthBuild, and during their time with us, we support young people in both completing their high school diploma, and they do some remediation of subjects that they might have missed, we support young people in obtaining a vocational certification, and we'll talk more about those in just a second, but at Bill we have six different vocational tracks. Um, we have two building trades tracks. We have a child and youth care development track. Um, we have a culinary track. We have a business administration track, and, and which operates the Stomping Grounds Cafe, um, and then we also have a track that um, supports young people um, with health sciences and being able to go into the health field. And so young people are getting that vocational certification and during the time that they're with us, they're also participating in job shadowing and internship experiences. And so if you can imagine, if you are a young person, you come into our program and you opt into a building trades track, for example, You're spending some of your time in classrooms, and you're doing traditional math and science and history, but then you're also spending spending your time doing practical hands-on application, where from the first day of school, you go into a blighted or vacant property, and on the last day of school, our students have rehabbed that home, and a low-income family is moving into that home, and so students are getting real-world experience. All of our young people are also committed about the communities that they live in, and so there's a requirement to complete 300 service hours. And once young people have completed that one year of programming with us, they've got their diploma, they have a vocational certification, and then we have a team at YouthBuild that supports young people in whatever they wanna do once they finish YouthBuild. Some of our young people go off to two-year or four-year colleges. Some of our young people go directly into the workforce. But like I said when we started our conversation, it's really important to us that young people are not just going to get a job at McDonald's, we want young people to get roles in which there's the opportunity to learn, grow, and develop, because we want young people to earn a living wage, and we want them to break the cycle of poverty in their families, and we want them to be able to be a pillar in their communities and know that they don't have to leave Philadelphia to find success. And so that's what young people are doing over the year that that, that that they're with us. And YouthBuild has been around for the past 31 years, and I'm really proud of the work that our organization is doing, and I'm proud of the work that we're going to do in the near term.
0: One of the things that uh, I always talk to, the, um, to educators about are statistics, because obviously we're judged in many respects by graduation rates. We're judged by... Just just a lot of different, judged in a lot of different areas. Uh, one of the things that I found really impressive about YouthBuild as I did my research, one, was your graduation rate, and then, two, the percentage of graduates that end up in a school continuing their education or in a job. You spoke about that briefly, but, but brag about those percentages a little bit.
1: Yeah, so... 85% of our young people who complete programming with us within the course of one year following their completion, they go off to either a two-year program, four-year program, and or they enter the workforce. Um, and so we're both, we're both very proud of that, um, but that also comes with a lot of hard work and intentionality um, from the hardworking staff at YouthBuild to support young people on their path.
0: Talk to us a little bit. You know, one of the, I, I, we had a number of graduates uh, at our ch- at the church I pastor this year. Uh, several going to Tuskegee, going down to Coppin, but there were about three or four of the students that are are going into vocational schools uh, to become mechanics and to become a and one to become a chef. Uh, I find over the last few years that a lot of our young people are moving into those vocational areas. Are you, are you seeing that trend as well?
1: Yeah, we're, we're, both, we're both seeing that trend, and then also as our philosophy and methodology of a school, we support that. Um, and when you think about young people and what they're going to do when they leave high school, ultimately we want our young people to find success. And we know that the path for success for so many people, and not just young people that we're serving at YouthBuild, it's very rarely a straight line to where you want to go. And so we like to encourage our young people that if you go to a two-year college, if you go to a vocational training program, it's important that you see those programs and those opportunities through. And if once you've completed those programs, you have the desire, you have the capacity, you're at a place in your life in which you want to take on more, you want to complete a two-year program next, you want to complete a four-year program, we encourage you to do that. And when you look at some of the vocational training opportunities and some of the vocational paths, there are some really great family-sustaining wages that are associated with many vocational paths And so there's often this misconception that if you don't go to a four-year college and get a bachelor's degree, you won't find success. That's not true. There's plumbers in Philadelphia who make an incredibly great living, who are a part of the union, who have health insurance, who have benefits, who have opportunities to receive training in the city of Philadelphia. And so when we think about what young people are doing when they leave high school, I very much encourage young people to consider all of their options, but particularly think about going into some of the vocational trade opportunities.
0: A topic that we talk about a lot here on the show uh, is the fact that there are a lot of teachers that are leaving the profession, either because they're no longer fulfilled, uh, because they fear the violence that uh, happens in some of our schools, or because they're underpaid and overworked. Uh, in an environment like this where a lot of our best and brightest are leaving the field of education how are you recruiting a team to maintain the high standards of youth build Philly
1: yeah I can I can tell you that um, if you talk to any of our young people and, and I want you to hold me to that I, I really want you to hold me to that if you if you encounter a young person from youth build I want you to ask them about their experience. And overwhelmingly, young people will tell you two things. They will tell you, one, YouthBuild is the best school that they've ever been to. And the second thing that they will tell you is that staff at YouthBuild care endlessly about their potential, that they love them, and that they support them. And so when you walk into a youth build, when you walk into our YouthBuild building, you can feel that love, you can feel that community feeling, you can feel that support from one another. And because of the very special community that we've created, young people look forward to coming into our building. We just had 155 young people that graduated. We, can't, we can barely get rid of them because they keep coming back. <laughs> But because of the community that we've created in our school building, our adults, they look forward to coming to work. We've got a really high retention rate for staff at YouthBuild. In fact, in my professional career, we have one of the longest tenures of educators that I've ever worked with and experienced uh, in my professional career. And so when I think about what, what educators are experiencing across the city, um, education is a very tough job. And you have students who walk through the doors and they're looking for not only the love and support, they're looking for the academic components and the athletic components and all the extracurriculars. But students are also navigating safety issues. Students are also navigating mental health issues. And at Build. We're not looking to the teacher to also educate and address some of those issues. At YouthBuild, every single student receives a student advisor who supports them on their journey during the time that they're with us and they're part of our program. Every single student has access to mental health supports. And so our teachers are not supporting students with trauma. There's a team of clinicians who are able to support them. And to give you context, for this upcoming school year, we're going to have 245 students uh, start our program with us at the start of this upcoming school year. And there's going to be five mental health clinicians that are there to support our young people. And I want you to think about that ratio. I want you to think about that ratio at some of the other schools in the city. And when you think about the fact that young people were coming out of the pandemic, right, like the pandemic may be behind us for all intents and purposes, but the impacts of the pandemic still lingers. And we're dealing with the population of post-pandemic youth. We're dealing with the population of young people who are significantly impacted by the senseless violence throughout throughout our communities. We're dealing with the impacts of young people in the city of Philadelphia who live in neighborhoods where it's exceptionally hot because there's no trees. And young people can't walk to stores and buy fresh fruit and fresh produce, not because that's what they don't want to do, but because those options don't exist. And so we know those young people are going to walk in our school door- school buildings this fall. And I think the question that school leaders and administrators and district administrators should be asking themselves is how are they going to play a role in addressing those needs of young people when they walk in our school buildings? And I build. We do an exceptional job of supporting young people in those areas, and I believe that if we could do a better job across the city of eliminating barriers that students are facing, students would then be able to show up, pick up their pencil, and answer question number five. But if we expecting students to show up and answer question number five, and they didn't, have a, they didn't have a meal, they were in a home where it was 95 degrees and they didn't have air where they're scared about their safety and when they go home, where they don't know if they're going to have a place to live, it's going to be hard for young people to do that. And because we address those needs at YouthBuild, we see higher achievement from our students. We see stronger retention from our staff. And we see a loving and supportive community where not only students look forward to coming to work, our staff also looks forward to coming to work.
0: That's real talk, man. If kids don't have good meals and Good home support is hard for them to learn, and I'm really excited to hear that uh, you're offering those type of, the type of outreach and the type of support to really help our children achieve. And listen, every educator I've talked to, I always ask this question: Talk to us about a success story. Somebody that you don't have to give a name, any of that, but somebody that that you personally interacted with that it didn't look good when they arrived, but. God be praised. Look at them right now. Talk to us about one of your success stories.
1: Yeah, I think a lot about a young person that I supported um, who was a young person that had a very traumatic past, Um, a young person who was just very angry and didn't have a positive outlook on life, and a young person who was subsequently a victim of gun violence because of their experiences and the community and so many other factors. Um, And I just remember going through the range of emotions of being heavily invested in this young person and then being in a phase in which I didn't know if this young person was gonna survive and, and be there the next morning to a point where this young person survived. And I didn't know if this young person was gonna come back to school. Like, was this it? Was this young person done with school? And to see that young person eventually walk across the stage and to know that that young person is currently at a four-year college and excited about what they're doing in school and working hard towards graduation, it just brings me an immense level of joy. And it's my consistent reminder of why I do this work and it's my reminder of what's possible when we consistently invest in our young people and when we don't expect our young people to be perfect, but when they're not perfect, we're there to help them and support them and guide them.
0: Leando, man, you have inspired me today, and I know you've inspired our Philly's favorite listeners, and I certainly want to thank you for the great work that you're doing over at Youth Build Philly. Do me a favor before you depart, why don't you share with our listeners how they can get more information? about youth build philly
1: so yeah please check us out at youthbuildphilly.org also check us out on instagram at youthbuildphl all right,
0: sir. Listen, man, keep doing what you're doing. We're going to continue to keep you and all of our educators in prayer. And if there's any, if there's ever a time where we can be a blessing to you by getting out a message that you need to share uh, with all of Philadelphia, you call on Philly's favor. We got you back, man.
1: We appreciate that, Reverend. And you have an open invitation to visit us anytime you'd like.
0: Sounds like a plan. All right, sir. Thank you. And we'll talk to you again real soon. We'll be right back after these commercial messages.